0: good morning from me my name is David Blackman and it's my privilege and responsibility to open the Word of God with you this morning and we're kicking off a new series this morning entitled imperfect fit I so we'll be doing this for four weeks we're talking about when something when things are not quite neat They don't quite go together. And we're talking about ourselves, the church. We'll be looking at various Old and New Testament passages and we'll be looking at what God's purpose is for us, the church, what his intention is, because it hasn't changed over the years. We'll be looking at what it means to be a messy, a varied, but a beautiful family in the Lord. So this morning we're looking at our diversity. Diversity is a blessing, not a hindrance. So in this congregation we have lots of variety. We have lovely diversity. We come from a range of church backgrounds. We come from a range of countries. We speak a range of languages, lots of different cultures. Just out of interest, who wasn't born in Australia? That's a pretty high percentage, isn't it? Who are parents? Keep your hand up if you're grandparents. Keep your hand up if you're great-grandparents. Doug and are not here this morning. We have the world right here in this room. We're all very different, but we make up one church. about this brick wall? What do you notice about it? It's a mess. The bricks are all different. Some of them are dark, some are light, some are long, some are short, some are bent. The wall is not neat. It's all higgledy-piggledy. Is it going to fall down? No? Why isn't it going to fall down? Sorry? Yeah, the way the bricks are put together, that's true, like a dry stone wall. What's the other reason it's not going to fall down? Mortar, cement, yes. So if we look at the whole house, Doesn't look so bad from if you step back a bit. So it's made of the walls are made of bricks. Facing all directions. It's got stone in it and it's got timber in it. But the house is okay. Is it all right to live in? Looks all right. (laughs) Is it going to fall down? Not going to fall down, is it? Must have looked a mess though when they were building it. You can imagine people walking past and saying, What are they doing? So I'm thinking that house is a bit like the church, this church or the the church everywhere, made up of lots of different people. We're all very different. We don't look the same, we don't dress the same, we speak different languages, we come from different cultural backgrounds, we have different educational backgrounds, we have different social backgrounds, we have different work backgrounds. We're a diverse mob. But here we are all together worshipping God. That's the blessing of diversity. We can be different, but we can still be in unity. We can still worship together. We can still serve God together as one. You may have heard the uh, uh, motto, the national motto of Indonesia. Tungalika means unity in diversity. And. It's true of that country many islands many cultures many language groups many histories many colonial histories so a multicultural society and yet there is a there is an Indonesianness a shared identity about that country a common identity and of course God himself models Unity for us. The Father, Son and Holy Spirit are one. But three, but never out of harmony. So it isn't surprising that unity and harmony are very close to God's heart. It's not surprising that unity is a common theme in scripture. Unity promotes peaceful living. It promotes living in harmony. It promotes working together towards a common purpose. So the Bible calls us to be in unity, firstly within ourselves as a church. It calls us to be in unity with all followers of Jesus. And it calls us to maintain the unity of the Spirit as we are together. So I want to look at firstly at those three passages, looking at unity within ourselves in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. So the in, in the NIV it reads, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. The plain English version unpacks that. Now listen to this. This, Now all of you listen to this too. Remember that you are all in the same family so you have to think the same way about what is right. You have to care for each other properly. Don't think you're great. Try to understand how people are feeling and be good to them. And I'm also going to read the al athana ad- adanantaran aranteran ingkar nilil, arantarau itulah Arantara patah marumalan yang diu marantari. Anyent ambaran nil, arantari ingkar natah marai yang diu ikur. Alakananya memarantari yang diu. Ingur numu acilang keangan There's nothing about trying to be like this. Peter doesn't say, try to do this. He's giving an instruction. Just do it. We need to look at the context of this letter, or any letter of the New Testament, because this tells us why Peter is exhorting the Christians to be unified, because at the time, there was severe persecution of the church, especially under the, in the reign of uh, Emperor Nero. That's when it really got started. So in this letter, Peter is exhorting the Christians not to be afraid. He's exhorting them to stay strong because some of them already were being killed for their faith. And of course it still goes on in many countries today as Philip has prayed this morning. Peter exhorts them to support each other. They are to be submissive to each other and submissive to authorities. By being in unity, the Christians would be able to stand against anything that was going on. And looking at uh, 1 Corinthians one ten. In the NIV, it reads, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you, or that all of you, agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. So, again, the plain English version unpacks that. My Christian friends, our leader Jesus Christ wants me to say this to you. All of you Christians have to agree with with each other and stay together don't split up Please think the way the same way as each other and agree together about the right way to follow Jesus Now the city of Corinth was noted for several things Firstly its commerce it was perfectly situated to be a trading center So that brought people and influencers from all directions. Secondly, Corinth was noted for its religious interests. There were at least 12 pagan temples there as well as a Jewish synagogue. One of the goddesses they worshipped was Aphrodite and that worship encouraged the practice of prostitution. In fact, uh, the verb in Greek that, stands, that means to practice sexual immorality is to Corinthianize. There you go. I wonder what to Alice Springize means. So there were issues. So the people, as you can imagine, when the people of Corinth became Christians they brought with them into the church all sorts of baggage. The church was not operating in unity. They had factions. There was immorality. There was spiritual immaturity. And that led to the misuse of spiritual gifts. There were legal battles. There was false teaching. So when Paul wrote letters to the Christians in Corinth, he had to warn them about these things and sometimes he uses very strong language and he urges them to agree and to work at being in unity. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. In the NIV we read, Make every effort to keep unity, the unity of the Spirit, through the bond of peace in the plain English, try hard to let God's spirit keep you together as friends without any trouble between you. Now, the church in Ephesus was a success story for quite a long time. It flourished for a long, long while after it was established. So in this letter, Paul doesn't have to warn them about any, any faults or any wrongdoing there. But instead he writes to encourage them to grow in their faith. He explains how Christ is the head of everything. He explains how God's purpose will come to pass and how the Christians of Ephesus can work together toward that purpose. And he explains how they will grow in maturity when they allow the power of the Holy Spirit to bring it amongst them and to create genuine reconciliation at all levels. You see, unity in the spirit brings unity in every facet of life and every area of service. Now, Christians, of course, are human beings. We don't always get it right. And even here at ASBC, we've had a few Rocky members meetings, have we not? And we've had to work together to come to a place of agreeing to disagree at times. As Christians, we need to have and use a lot of grace. A lot of generosity in our dealings with people. Grace and generosity are indicators of maturity in Christ. And also, We are God's representatives, and in this town, Alice Springs, we are His representatives. We are the ones whom God will use to love this town. We are the ones He will use to draw people toward Himself. And that's why He freely, or one reason why He freely gives us His Holy Spirit to enable us to do that. And so there's the mortar, there's the cement that holds the higgledy-biggledy wall together, the Holy Spirit, who gives us the wherewithal to do the things that God has set down for us to do. So now we come to our passage that's set for today, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12-17. to 17. So I'll read from the plain English this time. You know, a body has a lot of parts. All those different parts make only one body. And it is like that with Jesus Christ too. We Christians are like his body. Some of us are Jews and the rest of us are not Jews. Some of us are free and some of us are like prisoners that have to work for no pay. No matter what we are, God put his spirit into all of us. That is, he baptised us in his spirit. He did that to join us together into one body. Now we all have that same Holy Spirit in us. And you know that a body doesn't have just one part. It has a lot of different parts. Suppose a foot thinks to itself, I'm not a hand, so I don't belong to the body. That doesn't change anything, it's still a part of the body. Or suppose an ear thinks to itself, I'm not an eye, so I don't belong to the body. But no matter what it thinks, it is still a part of the body. Suppose the whole body was an eye. It wouldn't hear anything. Or suppose the whole body was an ear. It wouldn't smell anything. makes a familiar passage a little fresh a few minutes ago i mentioned the sort of issues that were bugging the church in corinth factions immorality spiritual maturity misuse of spiritual gifts legal battles and false teaching so this chapter 1 corinthians 12 deals with specifically with the misuse of spiritual gifts now in this context spiritual gifts by that we mean the various supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And they're given to enable individuals to minister to the needs of the body of Christ, the people in the church. So the gifts are not really our focus today, but I thought it would be helpful to have a summary at this point. You see there are three passages in the New Testament that list the spiritual gifts. In Romans 12, verses 6 to 8, we have prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading and showing mercy. In 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10, we have the message of wisdom, message of knowledge, faith, gifts of healings, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, we have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Notice anything about those different lists? Something in the wording? The Romans 12 list have all got ing on the end. They're about doing They're about personality characteristics, natural abilities. They are activities, and we all, so we all have our good points, including some of those. So the Holy Spirit wants to use what we naturally have in the church. The 1 Corinthians 12 list is a set of supernatural empowerments The Holy Spirit chooses to give them to individuals to be used in the building up of the members of the church. And the Ephesians 4 list? They are a set of gifts given to the church in the form of people. They are ministries. And they are integral parts of the functioning of a church. Now, as I said, the Christians in the church in Corinth had some baggage including spiritual immaturity, which meant that sooner or later some of them were misusing the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. They were using them to control others, to exercise superiority over others. They were using them to build up factional power bases. So no wonder the church was falling apart in other ways. 1 Corinthians is not a pretty story there were a lot of abuses going on there. So Paul gives very detailed instructions as to how to behave. In the three chapters of 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, there's a set of very detailed instructions as to how they should behave in church. So those chapters teach us how to attain unity by correctly using the resources of the Holy Spirit. So I'd encourage you to read through those chapters in one go, just to get the flow. It's it's very instructive. So there were problems in Corinth. And there are problems in all churches, if we're honest. We're human, we make errors. And there especially can be problems when spiritual gifts are actively used. And it certainly isn't the fault of the Holy Spirit. He isn't capable of sin and he is grieved when his gifts are misused. So problems occur when Christian people are not growing in the fruit of the Spirit. That's a different list. The fruit of the Spirit cannot function correctly without the presence of... Sorry, the gifts of the Spirit cannot function correctly without the presence of the fruit of the Spirit. And many of you can recite for me that familiar passage from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The gifts need the fruit. Now, I'm going to digress for a minute. Please indulge me for a moment while I put on my translator's hat. This is a favourite passage for us, for English speakers. It's short, it's sharp, it's punchy. It looks great on a poster. It's easy to set to music. It's easy to memorise. What's the problem with this verse? Can anybody tell me? Somebody must know. Strika, you're not allowed to answer. <laughs> I should have said, Steve, you're not allowed. <laughs> abstract nouns. What are abstract nouns? They're things, things that are not tangible. You can't draw a picture of a love. You can't point at a forbearance. You can't hold a faithfulness in your hand. They're abstracts. English has hundreds of them. English speakers use them all the time in conversation, but Australian languages have very few of them. So spare a thought for our Aboriginal brothers and sisters who haven't a clue what we're talking about a lot of the time. So this is one reason why the plain English version is being translated, to unpack all these things. There are other reasons too, because no other English version makes sense. Seriously. So the PEV uses a lot of words to unpack all these things, because our policy in translating scripture is to focus on the meaning, not the words. So yes, it doesn't, it doesn't match the Greek. It doesn't match the Greek. It's never going to. So I'm going to read the same verse again. There it is, in the PEV. Remember, this is the meaning of the passage. So every one of those abstract nouns is a sentence. But if God's Spirit controls people, he gets them to do good things. You know that a good fruit tree always gets good fruit on it. Well, like that. A person with God's Spirit does good things. If you let God's Spirit lead you, he will get you to love God and to love God other people, and you will be happy. And you will feel good and quiet inside yourself so that you will not fight with other people. God's Spirit inside you will help you to be good to people and not get angry, even if they give you trouble. And he will get you to be friendly to other people and he will get you to do good things. He will make you the sort of person that other people can trust. He will stop you from thinking you are too important and he will help you to control yourself. And there is no law to stop anybody, anybody doing any of these good things. Okay, end of digression. I said a minute ago, the gifts of the Spirit need the fruit of the Spirit. Without the fruit we sinful human beings are likely to misuse the gifts of the Spirit. And that leads to controversy, it leads to disunity within churches and between churches. With the fruit, the church demonstrates the unity that God desires. And with the fruit, it is able to achieve the purpose that God desires and also to reflect the unity that God displays within himself. (coughs) Bringing unity and diversity is something the Holy Spirit loves to do. He uses us, the Church, to demonstrate the reality of the Kingdom of God to demonstrate that reality to the world around us. He has given us, the church, the commission to extend his kingdom. So really the church is, or should be, the kingdom of God in miniature on earth. So the daily activities of the church in carrying out God's will should demonstrate the nature of the kingdom of God. So when we say in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven, then we are accepting that commission, folks. We are the means by which God's will is done on earth, Christian people. Many of us can quote John 13, 34 and 35, but we'll close with it. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And in the PEV it says, listen, you have to love each other just as much as I loved you. This is a new thing I'm telling you and you have to do it. People will see you loving each other and they will know that you are my followers. So yes, we in the church are a diverse lot. We're a higgledy-piggledy wall. Achieving unity is a challenge to us. But it is achievable by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can develop and display the unity that is in God himself and that he desires for us. And that is how we fulfil God's commission to us, to extend his kingdom on earth and to promote obedience to his will. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for who you are. You are Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You are in perfect unity and harmony. And by your Holy Spirit, you enable us to achieve unity and harmony ourselves, within ourselves as individuals, within ourselves as a church, and within ourselves as the church worldwide. So we thank you, Father, for that. So we pray for receptive spirits to your Holy Spirit, that we can be the people you want us to be, and that your kingdom will will grow in this world. We pray it in the name of Jesus.